KFI AM 640. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh at your service. Uh, I love meeting KFI listeners. And today I was at one of our Liftique, uh, Learn Learn About Liftique events down at the Anaheim Grove. And there were hundreds of you there. And thank you so much for coming. It was, it's always fun. I noticed there was lots of champagne flowing too for Sunday brunch. Um, and I hope you had a good time. But it's, you know, we sit here in the studio on a Sunday afternoon. I got Larry Perel with me. I got Josh in the studio. I got Joey here. But really, I don't have an audience. I have coworkers. And otherwise, I'm kind of alone. So it's nice to know there are people listening. Uh, one woman came up to me and she goes, I wanted to see what you look like. I always pictured you as a brunette. You can Google it. Look at my social media at Dr. Wendy Walsh. I'm not a brunette. I was. <laughs> Figure out Google what that it. means. Yeah, exactly. So uh, last week, so if you don't know me, I have a doctorate in clinical psychology. I'm not a practitioner, uh, a clinician. I teach at California State University Channel Islands, and I write books, and I teach many, many people about how to have healthier relationships, both, you know, business relationships, uh, parenting relationships, and love relationships. And last week, we did a really interesting thing on the show. We did my drive-by makeshift dream analysis, because back when I did have a private practice, I did so much dream work, and to me, it is, as Freud said, the royal road to the unconscious. So we got so much good feedback from it, and the call lines just lit up like crazy, that we're going to do it every second week. So next week, again, you if you have a dream, either one that's a, a dream that keeps recurring in your life or some dream that you just can't get out of your head from its years ago or one that you just had the night before, uh, keep in mind, give us a call next Sunday. But today, later in the show, we're going to do my famous uh, should I stay or should I go segment because I find a lot of people are in relationships where they're like, eh, it's okay. It's not all good. It's not all bad. And I help them sometimes reframe a good enough relationship or sometimes highlight that maybe this is a toxic relationship. So later in the 5 o'clock hour, around uh, 5.15 or so, I'm going to start taking your calls. So listen closely uh, because we can all learn from people's stuff. Uh, All right. So I have to confess something. I lost a lot of sleep last night. I went to bed at a normal hour. My older daughter came home from her study abroad program in Stockholm. And by the time I got her at LAX, it was like 7 p.m., make her a little dinner. She was ready to crash because she'd just been on an 11-hour flight. And um, so I got to bed. Don't laugh, okay? It was a Saturday night, and I was happy to be in bed by 9.30 or 10. It's just, I, I, know, I've, I had a really busy week, okay? And I just didn't want to go out, and I got my daughter home, and I cooked, and then it was time to go to bed. And then I went on to Twitter. This is not the thing to do before you go to sleep because I noticed a new Twitter war in the Me Too movement. You know how the Me Too movement has been moving amongst industries here and there. And this time, they were attacking a friend of mine who is a writer. So, of course, I had to read, you know, the 250 tweets that had happened in the last 30 minutes to see what the war was about. And um, apparently my writer friend was at a writer's whatever they have festivals, conferences, and he was up on a panel somewhere. And another female writer, not identifying herself, stood up and said, well, back when I was a wide-eyed 26-year-old, full stop, wide-eyed 26-year-old, Joey, 
Would you be concerned if a woman said she was too naive at the age of 26? Uh, it, it could be a red flag, maybe. Right. <laughs> but is that naive? When she says wide-eyed, she means yeah. I don't know much about the yeah, world. Sure. Mm-hmm. How old are you, Joey? I am 34. Okay. 26-year-old woman. Is that dateable to you? Uh, it, it, technically, sure. Yeah. Dateable. I mean, she's Definitely. legal. That's within right? the range. Sure. Would you feel you'd be taking advantage of her in some way because of your if I knew that, eight you... years of knowledge oh, and, over her? No. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, anyway, so she says, oh, when I was a wide-eyed 26-year-old grad student, I met with you to talk about something. Not his student, not the student of this writer. And you forcibly kissed me. So um, I thought about this. And, of course, now, you know, his head is on a stake. The, the feminists of Twitter are going crazy, calling him a misogynist, dissecting all his writing, saying he's actually a player and... And guess what, everybody? He is, and he writes about that in really darn good literature. Now, there's another piece to this, which is last month he wrote a um, a very raw, very honest article in The New Yorker telling the story about how he had been raped at the age of eight, not just once, by a family member. So what was interesting is rather than showing compassion for this guy who's trying to, like, come out and talk about his journey and his struggle, Twitter women went crazy and called that article a preemptive strike. He was just, he knew Me Too was coming for him. Me Too was coming for him? All right. Which made me sit down and think, and this is why I was up till midnight, past midnight. Um, So when the Me Too hashtag Me Too movement started... And, you know, some people say that I myself paved the way for the Me Too movement because there was no Me Too when I when the New York Times contacted me and asked me to speak about sexual harassment at Fox News. Uh, The only I got a private message from Gretchen Gretchen Carlson the day the article came out. And like she was my entire support system. That was it. Besides my lawyer, Lisa Bloom. But that was my Me Too movement. Okay, And then it became uh, more and more women able to talk about sexual harassment in the workplace because they had this sisterhood online and in the media and everywhere supporting them and it was all about believe women believe women and so i was feeling inspired i thought finally women have enough power enough social capital to be able to speak out about injustices that have happened in work many workplaces not by all men by all means uh only a few men Uh, and then we watched sadly Uh, or not, so some people cheered, uh, heads roll as men lost their jobs. I say sadly because I always have compassion all the way around. And back when the media was chomping at the bit to get me to say something awful about Mr. Bill O'Reilly, I just kept repeating over and over, this is Fox News' decision. This is not a personal vendetta against Bill O'Reilly. And I really, like, I have compassion for the guy. I I always want to bring understanding into the light. So... The Me Too movement now seems to have moved well past sexual harassment because of the Harvey Weinstein stuff that was sexual harassment, but a lot of it verged into sexual assault, right? So now we're talking about a whole nother thing. And now are we, is the Me Too movement all about bad dating etiquette? Joey, do you remember the Aziz Ansari story? Aziz, yeah. Yeah, Aziz Ansari yeah. that came out a few months, um, a year ago now even? No, uh, not quite that. Eight, nine months ago, a pregnancy ago. About <laughs> She didn't get pregnant, though. Um, and it was about a date. Yeah. Yes, and right. uh, she went back to his place afterwards and uh, 
he, I guess, performed oral sex on her or something. Uh, There was a whole article about it. And uh, she was all disturbed that, you know, he had tried to have sex with her. And I'm like, isn't that what you're supposed to try to do on a date? I mean, is it (laughs) humans are supposed to try to mate, right? And that was his point, too. Yes. It was the, you know, the consensual thing. Yeah. And not blaming, I don't want to blame a victim here, but I want, there were a lot of women who wrote in support of Aziz saying, you know, women need to learn. When we were young, our mothers told us, to bring mad money no matter where we met so that where we went so that we could have an escape route. I want to talk more about this when we come back. I want to talk about dating etiquette. Is it really a me too moment? And uh, do you know what power exchange sex is? Well, it begins with a forcible kiss sometimes. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh show on KFI AM 640. Larry Perel's got the news for us. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. KFI AM 640. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. Follow me online everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. The handle is Dr. Wendy Walsh. If you're an Instagram person, remember, I'm in a chronic race against my 25-year-old nephew who's an EDM DJ and thinks he's just such a hip millennial. And I keep having more followers than him because KFI listeners are cool. We're on Instagram too, you know. Uh, okay, so I've been talking about the Me Too movement and the that began going after sexual harassment in the workplace, moved into sexual assault because of Harvey Weinstein and then Bill Cosby or Bill Cosby first, whatever, the two trials of Bill Cosby. Um, and I don't think people understand the difference because I will see people post stuff online and I'm like, no, 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 no. So there are two kinds of sexual harassment and the law is very, very clear in the workplace. One is quid pro quo, the quo, quo, quo. I'll get the word out. Not a crow, not caca. Um, and what that means is, hey, honey, you do something for me. I'll do something for you. You'll get a promotion or you'll get this job or your life will be better if you comply in some sexual way. The other is a sexually hostile environment. And this is where some of the industry, the, uh, the companies in the tech industry actually took a hit because it was such a boys club there and the kind of language at the office and the kind of discrimination against women. Uh, Remember the Uber story where they bought leather jackets for all the male employees, engineers, but since there were only six female ones, they couldn't buy them in bulk. So they just didn't buy them for the females. They're too small. Your body's too small. So you can't wear uh, a gift that everybody else gets. I mean, so there's all kinds of stuff like that. I know somebody who called me this week who told me that she uh, got fired after her boss told her she looked bad and had to go put on more makeup not in a job where she deals with the public, by the way. Just, you know, he didn't like the way she looked. Yeah, so this kind of stuff, that's not okay. All right? And that's illegal. Here's the bad news. Ladies and gents who are being sexually harassed, you have in California a 12-month window to file. After 12 months, too late. You miss out. Um, but sexual assault is criminal. Sexual assault is Bill Cosby... Um, drugging potentially 50 women and raping them while they were unconscious. Okay, that's rape. That's assault. Some of the stuff Harvey Weinstein did was considered sexual assault. Now, when we look at the Azid Ansari story, we see a woman who willingly went to a man's apartment twice, I think at the beginning of the date and after the date, even used her own transportation to get there. And now we're getting into an area where there's a lot of misunderstanding I mean, he didn't confine her, didn't say you can't leave. Maybe he didn't say, excuse me, 
may I please pull down your panties and have go with you? You know, sexual consent says you're supposed to do that, right? Um, but there are ways that women can simply say, no, um, I'm not, I don't want a victim blame here. But I want people to understand that usually when a woman, not usually, often, when a woman is a, a victim of sexual assault, she's reliving, or a man, reliving their trauma from childhood. And what happens is that two injured babies always find each other. But now they're dressed in adult clothes, and now it has a deeper meaning. Sadly, what happens early in life becomes this recurring roadmap for life and love. And at the beginning of the last segment, when I was talking about a certain writer who is being slayed on Twitter right now, um, you know, he was raped as a child. So his aversion of sex might be aggressive. Now, this other young writer who complained said that he kissed her forcibly. Um, it was in public, and they were together, and maybe he thought he got a cue, or maybe not. I don't know. We don't know. We weren't there. But she was traumatized by it. This we know because she's out there speaking out against him and feeling very brave. And I want you to know, there's, there's actually another woman on Twitter saying, he said the word rape to me really loud. It was so offensive, and he didn't know. I had been raped two weeks before. And we're thinking, yeah, of course he doesn't know. I mean, when we talk about these trigger warnings, I mean, how are we supposed to know everybody's trauma? But we're not talking about employers with employees. We're not even talking about professors with students. We're not talking about somebody who has power over another person. That's where it gets murky, right? Now, there is a kind of sex called power exchange sex, and this is very confusing for the Me Too movement. Are you sending me to break right when I'm about to tell you about this. Okay, power exchange sex when we come back. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. Larry Perel's got the news. KFI AM 640, you are listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. I keep saying that I'm going to explain power exchange sex and then we rush to a commercial. So I'm just going to start at the top with it so I don't forget. Um, you know, human beings have the widest range of sexual behavior of any primate species. Some are completely monogamous. Others are what you might call completely promiscuous. And then within that, there's all kinds of different tastes, right? And sometimes there's a kind of sex called power exchange sex. It's where somebody who's powerful exchanges and becomes the bottom, if you know what I mean, the weaker, the more submissive, and vice versa. And it used to be more commonly you would hear of like, you know, really successful, high-stressed attorneys, CEOs who would go to see, like, dominatrix. And by the way, power exchange sex doesn't necessarily mean S&M. But they would go because they would want to feel weak. And, oh, I should remind you that it is the bottom that holds all the power because they're still given all the orders, right? They're still the submissive who's being served. Um, however, um, I'm finding now that more and more as women are rising in economic success and power, there are women that it feels good sometimes to feel, ah, what's the word I want to look for? Uh, I don't want to say necessarily dominated. I, this is not about rape. It's not rape fantasies. But being able to just relax and melt, melt, that's it, melt during sex and let someone else be feel like the stronger one. Now, all with permission, all with consent, of course. So I'm wondering if the Me Too movement is sometimes confusing power exchange sex with sexual assault. 
all the more reason why boys and girls out there must get verbal consent for stuff. And we don't know somebody's trauma in their background. We don't know how they will perceive it. So it still is better always to have the conversation. All right, I'm stopping on that subject. Enough about that. Um, I want to give it, I want to get into some parenting things, but before I do, our executive producer, Michelle, um, has she's such a charitable, big-hearted person. She's the one who found Chef Bruno, and we do all the the charities for the, you know, at the White House restaurant for the homeless kids. And now she has found a um, all-star cheer team made up of special needs kids. And I should tell you, my own daughter is a competitive cheerleader, and I see these teams, and these kids work so hard, and I'm so proud of them. Um, uh, Anyway, recently they were invited to cheer in the Special Olympics World Games in Seattle, but they need to raise $75,000. So our sweet producer, Michelle, set up a GoFundMe. Uh, We will post it on the Dr. Wendy Walsh page on the KFI website. So just go to KFI640.com. Is it KFI AM 640? Yeah, KFI AM 640.com. Keyword, Wendy, and you will find it. And uh, they have raised $2,500 so far. We got to get up to $75,000. Come on, KFI listeners. These kids are special needs. They want to go to the Special Olympics World Games in Seattle. And they're cheerleaders. They have cute costumes. And they're working hard. They're great athletes. Okay, enough about that. Let us move on to parenting. Uh, We all know that having good relationships is connected with better health and longevity. That means better physical health, better mental health. And it's not just the number of relationships. So if you've got friend buildup, that's not making you happier. It's the depth of those relationships. You know, for instance, last week I had a birthday. I went to a spa with just one girlfriend. And we did, we had phones off like you're supposed to in spas. And we sat by the ocean, by the pool, and we just chatted, ordered food when we were hungry, dipped in the pool if we needed to, and just celebrated that we had been friends for <clears throat> 30 years. Crazy thought. And it felt so good at the end of the day. It felt great. And so research shows that whether you're married or single, it's the amount of real, tangible social support that you have around you that is connected with better health and certainly better mental health, but even uh, lower rates of heart disease, diabetes. It's amazing. Stroke. So I was really interested to read this new study published in Psychological Science, uh, and it shows that boys who spent more time with friends as children tended to have lower blood pressure and lower BMIs as men in their 30s. Isn't that interesting? Now, this wasn't a true experiment, because when you have an experiment, of course, you have to have a control group. Are you listening, my students? This question may be on the exam next week. You have to have a control group. You have to have your study group. You have to have your independent or your dependent variable and your independent variable. Um, this instead was a well-controlled longitudinal study of a racially diverse sample. So that's still is pretty gold standard to me. Um, but what, what they did is they looked at data that had already been collected. Um, the parents reported how much time their children spent with their friends during an average week, and they started collecting this data when the boys were six years old, and they collected the data every year until the kids were 16. Then they went back and visited these boys when they were 
uh, in their 30s, it says. Where in their 30s? Somewhere in their 30s. Um, And what they found out is that those who had spent more time with friends in childhood and adolescence had healthier blood pressure and lower body mass index, less rates of obesity. And they found that this particular factor, friendship in childhood, applied to all races, black and white even, uh, similar findings over time. So what does this really tell me? It tells me that the skills you learn in childhood about friends, how to make friends, how to keep friends, are skills that you can probably apply across the lifespan and also a reminder that good, healthy, supportive relationships make us healthier. So what can parents do? I mean, every parent's worst nightmare is that their kid is the outcast, that their kid is the one bullied. And I believe there is a way, without being an overdoing helicopter parent, there is a way to make life better for your kid to have friends. For instance, I have a kid who's a little on the spectrum. Uh, You would just think she's really, 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 really shy, but she doesn't talk very much. When she gets close to somebody and trusts them, which may take months or years, then she's a bubbly little thing, and you're like, what happened there? Um, But as you know, plenty of kids on the spectrum have what is called selective mutism. They decide they can trust somebody or not, and they talk to somebody or they don't. So I also know that there is a lot of research to connect good social relationships with academic success, right? Because if all the kids are talking about the homework or they help each other out a little bit, then your kid will step it up and catch up. So I knew when she was starting to not have so many friends, uh, we actually switched schools at one point and she had zero friends. So I had to figure out a way to help her make those friends. I decided to rent an apartment literally across the street from the school. And we lived there. And I used to say, you know, I can look from my kitchen window right into your third grade class. I'm watching all day. She used to laugh, but I think she liked that idea that mom was near. And then... When I was on the schoolyard, I started to make friends with the parents and let them know that I also lived right across the street and that after school, my house was always open for kids because so many of these working parents are forced to work such long hours. These kids are in after-school programs where they're sitting on the schoolyard long past this till the sun goes down. They're in the wintertime. They're there till 6 o'clock and when it closes down. So I'd say, you know what? I'm, I'm baking cookies after school. We can do some cookie decorating. Do you want to, you know, some of the girls come over? So it was always for a specific reason, right? It was like we're going to make cookies. We're going to uh, do some art project, uh, whatever. And then before you know it, my house became the hangout house because the kids didn't want to stay on the cold, windy school ground. And there were always a group of kids when I'd walk onto the yard going, can I come to your house when I get to come to your house? Because they would go home, of course, or go back to school and talk about it, right? So I felt that helping and encouraging my child to have a healthy social life and friends would help her academically. And it is proven to be true. She is totally mainstreamed. She has friends that go all the way back to pre-K four. She has a current group of five or six friends at school that she has lunch with every day. And they are her lifeline, her, her emotional and social lifeline to the rest of, of school life. So seeing now that childhood friendships actually may have health benefits in adulthood makes my heart sing because I feel like I've done the right thing without being intrusive, of course, I've done the right thing. Now, there is another thing when we come back that I want to talk about, how parents can help their kids have healthier, less violent relationships. 
You're listening to Dr. Wendy Walsh on KFI AM 640. Larry Perel has the news. Oh, help me, please, doctor. I'm damaged. KFI AM 640, you have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. Parenting is a tough business. You know, they hand you this little five to eight pounds of flesh, and they also hand you about 40 pounds of laundry a day, and about a ton and a half of guilt. And I teach developmental psychology at Cal State Channel Islands, along with uh, psychology of health counseling. And in developmental psychology, we talk a lot about the intersection of biology versus environment, nature versus nurture, and which is more powerful. And the answer, of course, is they're both powerful and they can both influence each other. In other words, we come into the world with a genetic predisposition to be something, and then that environment can either enliven or suppress those genes. So you might come into the environment with an ability to form secure attachments, be pretty calm about love and trusting of people, but you're left crying in a wet diaper for hours by parents who read a parenting book that said they need to cry it out, it's good for their lungs, or you um, weren't, were fed on a schedule when your body didn't follow the schedule that the baby book said, or your parents, sadly, were abusive or more neglectful or um, drug-addicted or alcohol-addicted. And so even though you did not have a gene to have an insecure attachment style, guess what? You're not going to grow up to trust love very well, are you? On the flip side, there could be a child who comes into the world with a gene for a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety and depression, those worrywart kids that you see all the time. But they might happen to come into a set of parents who respond when they cry, who calm them and soothe them, who let them know that the world is very trustworthy. And that parenting actually helps suppress that gene. So I don't like it when people blame the mother for everything. However, because women tend to be the primary caretakers of infants in our culture, not that men can't do it, we just need to give them more parental leave, Um, then as a result, you know, when you get into therapy, one of the first questions a therapist asks is, tell me about your relationship with your mother. I know because I asked that question a lot in my day. So we do know the impact of parenting. We also hope that our kids will grow up to have healthy relationships. In some cases, we hope that they will grow up to have relationships healthier than the ones that we had. And we think to ourselves, how do we teach them? What can we do? Well, there was a new study out that says that parents can actually help prepare their kids for healthier, less violent relationships. I throw in that word violence for a reason. On average, 24 people per minute are victims of rape, physical violence, or stalking by an intimate partner in the United States. That's about 12 million men and women over the course of a year. These statistics are from the National Domestic Violence Hotline, a very reputable organization who collects data. Uh, Nearly 15% of women and 4% of men have been injured as a result of intimate partner violence that might have included rape, physical violence, or stalking by that intimate partner. Um, As far as sexual violence is concerned, nearly one in five women have been raped in their lifetime. One in ten in the United States have been raped by an intimate partner during their lifetime. 
So you're saying, well, wait a sec. Just because I'm not like I make a mistake as a parent, my kid's going to grow up to be a rapist or a rape victim? Well, kind of. Here's the thing. So during the first year of life, uh, when our brain triples in size, we form a blueprint for love. And then we take that blueprint, that roadmap for love, and cast it on every adult romantic relationship we ever have. And as I mentioned, all the kinds of relationships one might have with their parent in that first year of life, the brain asks, can I trust people? Can I be trusted to express my own needs? Is it safe to express my needs? Is the world safe at all? And if they don't believe that, they will actively go out and find partners who bring that belief to life. Life in some ways is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Even though we say we want to have healthy, happy relationships, if we've only known pain, neglect, abandonment, abuse, this is our new normal. This is what we go out to find. So one of the things the research shows is that when parents learn how to constructively communicate rather than say yell and scream <laughs> at their kids, this is how kids learn to have positive relationship strategies, right? Um, and we do know that when young adults have healthy relationships, they tend to be, go on to be actually more satisfied with their lives and they themselves become better parents later. So what the research found is that a positive family climate and effective parenting in adolescence were associated with better problem-solving skills in young adults' romantic relationships. And at the end of the day, that's what it about. it's about, conflict resolution. So how do you help your children have healthier dating relationships? You have healthier relationships with them. Or you have healthier relationships with your romantic partners, your spouse, your significant other. Because they are watching. They are little sponges. And they are forming their roadmap, their blueprint for love. And it's not for us to tell them, you know, don't do that. You shouldn't be stalking. Why are you calling so much? Why are you crying over this? Why don't you instead say, hey, I see you're feeling stressed. Let's talk about it. Or exhibit better conflict resolution skills yourself. I think of the movie, I, Tanya. We all hated Tanya Harding until we saw that movie, right? And a mean mother. Uh, anyway, that's my advice for today. When we come back, let us move on to dating. Oh, no, no, no. Are we going to take callers next? No, we have one more segment before we take callers. Let's start talking uh, to single people. Uh, you know there's a new Dine and Dasher out there in L.A. who has dates with women. You, you're going to die when you hear what he does. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. KFI AM 640, you have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. You know I am obsessed with the science of love, the biopsychosocial pieces of why people get together, who stays together, who breaks up, why and why not. And so I give a lot of, uh, you know, based in research, of course, uh, relationship advice for married people sometimes, obviously parenting is such an important relationship, um, but also single people. And there is a single population at every age in the lifespan now because we, we you know, are outliving a lot of our relationships. So people will find themselves at different ages um, having to do mate selection again. And you have to watch out for scams, 
because I assume if you're single, it's the only way to make people now. You're online somewhere, somehow, either a dating site or an app. So listen to this in the news this week. A serial dine and dash dater struck again, luring a woman to a luxury dinner and then fleeing before the bill came. Look, he's even got a name in this article. Serial dater Paul Gonzalez, very good looking, has become famous for being a runner after eating at fancy restaurants. And this week it happened in Pasadena. And he was so brazen this time that he got to the restaurant before um, the lady arrived and he ordered himself a meal. He was eating it when she showed up. I mean, red flags should have been flying for her at this time. But of course, you know, you try to save face and be nice. Okay. And then he went to the bathroom. Well, it turns out the manager of the, or somebody, two other diners, actually recognized him because his picture has been getting around and alerted the manager. So the manager stopped him when he came out of the bathroom and the guy admitted it was him. And the manager told him to leave. So then the manager had to walk up to the poor woman, his date, who hadn't even ordered anything yet and present her with a bill. Oh my goodness. Uh, Okay. So how do you know if you can trust someone online? Uh, Being a dining and dasher is one thing, but there are also much more serious things that can happen with what we call romance scams. Romance scams happen for this reason. I don't think we turn, uh, 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 there's no time I think that we turn off our uh, BS detector than when we have hope. And when we project onto somebody's profile that they are the perfect fantasy mate, we don't want to let go of that idea. So we look at a few pictures, we read a few words, and we say, oh my gosh, hope. This person is perfect. They're perfect. Instead of saying, uh, this doesn't really sit right. So one of the things that people will do is they, if they're romance scamming you, and when I say romance scamming you, here's what they can do, is they will make you fall in love with them online, and you will be shocked at how quickly your wallet or bank account will open because they will have some kind of drama or tragedy in their life very soon on after telling you that you are also the perfect person for them, but they just need, you know, some money for their mother's surgery or a big common one is they're in the military serving abroad and they need uh, money. Military personnel do not need to go on a dating site. Okay. What ends up happening is that people in these other countries get a hold of military IDs is what they do. Some of the romance scams are so good, uh, especially the ones out of Nigeria that they actually will Skype you and talk to you and have a conversation, except it's a bot. It's a beautiful Swedish-looking model or something. Um, And how that romance scam goes is they will try to engage in sex with you, um, virtual sex by Skype, of course, but they're recording it by video. And then they threaten to put this video of you essentially practicing autosexual behavior, also known as masturbation, and post it on your, all your social media unless you send them money. In fact, a boy in Scotland, a teenager last year, committed suicide over a romance scam like this. So it's very serious. More often what will happen, though, is romance scammers prey on women in their 50s and 60s who are just looking for love out there and are just hopeless romantics. And some, uh, some of them are real-world guys who show up and date them while they're dating five other women. And there's always a story. They might just to show the woman that they're rich, pay for a big, lavish dinner, even rent a 
fancy car for the first date. So the woman feels assured that they're the real deal and have money and they're going to be a good peer. Um, and then they'll end up, say, on a romantic vacation, say, to Paris. And they'll get there and be just so happy that they just want this romantic trip to be perfect that when the guy tells some story about he lost his wallet or there's a problem with his credit card and there's a bank and you know he's having identity theft and oh dear she will want to save everything because she's invested so much of her heart in this that she'll pay for everything and then when they return to the states of course he'll disappear i actually know a woman a very wealthy woman friend who was uh, in london and decided to contact a matchmaker in london you would think that would be safer who fixed her up with a guy who I then I think she was heading on to Florence or something. She was in Italy. And she was meeting a group of friends there. So she'd had a couple dates with this guy. And she said, come um, join, meet my friends. Come have this. There were 12 people at the dinner. She had planned to pay for the dinner anyway. But she didn't want him to lose face. So she slipped him her credit card before dinner and said, just you pay the bill. and But use my credit card so it looks good for you. So she didn't think to ask him for the credit card back until about 4 o'clock the next afternoon. So he, he, of course, said, oh, sorry, I forgot to give it back to you. Here it is. And they continued on their merry way. She went back to the United States a few days later. When the bill came, he had somehow managed to spend $30,000 on her credit card in that time, that one day that she had it. So stuff goes on. you got to protect your heart, and you got to be a little savvy. So here are some warning signs and things that people do with romance scams. First of all, very quickly... They will want to communicate outside of the dating app. So number one, stay on that app or the social site that you're on. What they will do is also try to create um, urgency. Like you think you've just met the perfect person and they say something like, um, you know, I, I want to meet you and communicate, but unfortunately I just canceled my subscription on this app so I can't be able to message you here for very long. I have to get to know you. You're so fabulous. Here's my email. I can't wait to hear from you, right? Um, or they will offer to send more pictures in exchange for your full contact information. Um, again, a lot of these pictures could be stolen. They will always tell you if they're trying to do a romance scam that they're looking for a long-term serious re- relationship. They will also write a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to make you think that they're opening up to you. Sometimes they will say they have a job or role outside of the country. I am currently on military deployment in Liberia my last mission, having a year to be back before I relocate to the U.S. I'll be buying a big house there soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, They also tend to be excessively complimentary. Um, So what do you need to do to protect yourself from these romance scams? Well, first of all, make sure you actually know every person you accept a friend request from on Facebook because they bring along with them a lot of other bots and friends if you do get someone who's not real. Uh, Keep the conversation on the dating site. Don't go off. Um, until you're ready to meet them in person. Check their photos. Did you know that you can do a Google image search and see if these photos have appeared everywhere else? Uh, You just click on the camera icon in the search box and drag or upload any picture, and Google will show you where the image has been posted online. And they may use it. Like, I've actually had people write to me and say, did you know your pictures are being used on a dating website? And they've stolen my pictures yeah, online. A, a, a handy trick you can do in a, your internet browser is right-click on any picture, uh-huh. and there's uh, usually a feature there now that says search image on Google, mm-hmm. and it does exactly what you just described. Uh, it, it shows you a complete rundown of – it's a reverse image search. you know. Right. And you can do the same thing with text. 
Because these guys are not really oh, yeah. brilliant, and they use the same script over and over mm-hmm. and over. They literally just cut and paste it everywhere. So try copying the message from your online friend and searching that on Google. You might find somebody identical, right? Always invite your new friend to video chat with you. Now, as I said, if it's an advanced romance scammer, they may actually have a bot. So you might think it's the person and it's not. But if they say no, they don't want to do live Skype, then you know they're not who they say they are. Um, verify where a photo was really taken. If he says he's from California and it's a backyard in Ohio, this is a problem. And always beware of soldiers asking for money. People in the armed forces, of course, could have money problems. But photos of military uh, personnel are frequently stolen and used in cam- in scams, romance scams. Um, and if you've been scammed, make sure you report it to the FBI's Internet Crime Compliance Center. Okay. Are we going to take calls when we come back? All right. Are you in a relationship? Are you wondering if you should stay or go? I want you to call me at 1-800-520-1KFI. That's 1-800-520-1534. Give me a call. I want to weigh in on your relationship. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. Larry Perel's got the news. KFI AM 640, you have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. If you are in a relationship and you're wondering, "Ah, is it enough warm fuzzies or is it all cold prickly? Should I stay or should I go? And I'd like you to call in. I'd be happy to weigh in. The number is 1-800-520-1KFI. That's 1-800-520-1534. First up, we have Austin in San Juan Capistrano. Hi, it's Dr. Wendy. Hi, Dr. Winnie. How are you doing today? Good. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Just a little little upset. Mm, what happened? Well, my uh, wife probably about about a month ago had cheated on me, mm. and I forgave her and took her back, but I have always known my entire life not to really take someone back after they uh, cheat on you. Um, I don't really know where to go with this. Mm. I've trying to forgive her and everything else. It just we still are at each other's throats, and I'm trying to figure out why. Well, it's also so new. You know, it's just a month yeah. ago. So let me first ask you, how long have you been married? Um, actually, we had our year anniversary on, I think it was the 28th of March. So right after your one-year anniversary, she yeah. cheated. Now, do you think she was cheating before? Is this a one-time thing? Is it a relationship, an old boyfriend? Uh, it was someone that she was. She got on Tinder, unfortunately, and oh. Oh. I guess she found someone, some Marine, and she used to have this thing for Marines back in before I met her. Mind you, we did get married within three months of knowing each other, which could probably was the mistake. Mm. Um, but I've been just trying to figure out what's what's going on in her head and and how do I remedy the situation and keep myself from being so angry. Okay, a couple more questions. Um, no kids, right? No pregnancies? No, thank God. Okay. And um, do either of you have kids from a previous relationship? No, we do not. Okay. So we no kids to muddy the waters here. We can just think clearly about it. Has she, I mean, have you talked about the idea of doing couples therapy and talking about this? I have, and I tried to set it up, and she just was so obstinate toward it, and she just blew it off like it was nothing. Mm, 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 mm. Why do you think that is? 
You know, it could be probably my own attitude. I had my own personal things that I probably should have shared with my wife, but I didn't really. As a guy, it's pretty difficult to share how we feel most of the time. Um, but I think it probably was a lot of my fault. But I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa. Has let's stop for a minute. So you're saying that you think she was having revenge sex on you? Maybe. And what was it that you didn't disclose to her? Well, I didn't disclose, I mean, my personal feelings on certain things. In past relationships, I had I told her stuff. I've always been faithful and loyal to her. And I just, I'm baffled at the sheer, I don't know how to explain it. Well, wait a sec. So I'm hearing you say that you feel like you're taking some responsibility for her having cheated on you because you didn't tell her about your personal feelings about past relationships. Are you saying that you're still in love with somebody else and you didn't tell her? No, 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 no. I'm not in love with anyone else. I mean, sharing uh, personal feelings that I've had of my own depression and my own uh, issues that I've tried to deal with my to my best fault, in which it could have been that I was so angry all the time with her, or it could have been just we weren't getting along because I wasn't communicating properly. I've been mm-hmm. trying to figure out what, where okay. could I fix this. Okay, so I'm going to stop and just pull you off the guilt train right now. It is okay. never your fault if somebody else has bad coping skills for how they deal with stress. And I really like that I hear you wanting to have more emotional intimacy with your life, with your wife or whatever uh, relationship you're in. Because let me tell you that that is the glue for relationships is to be open, honest, vulnerable. On the other hand, now you've got this huge injury so early in your relationship And I do know that there have been couples that actually got closer after an affair because it scared the heck out of them, and then they had to figure out how to work it out. On the other hand, she doesn't seem to want to go to therapy to grow a closer relationship with you. So I'm thinking you might want to give her a therapy ultimatum. It sounds like the two of you need to learn to have better relationship skills, but you can't learn them alone. So you've got to say to her, if you don't go to therapy, we're going to have to break up. All right. Okay. Thanks, Austin, for calling. I'm so sorry I have to go because the segment just flew right by. Anybody else who's listening, if you're in a relationship and you're feeling a little stuck and you want me to weigh in, please call 1-800-520-1534. That's 1-800-520-1KFI. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. Larry Perel has the news. Should I stay or should I go now? Should I stay or should I go now? KFI AM 640, you have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you for my uh, bi-weekly, no, every other week uh, segment, Should I Stay or Should I Go? So if I don't get you to this week, I will get to you in two weeks when we do the segment again. But I'm going to have to speed through because I see the phone lines have lit up. Gary in Irvine. Hi, it's Dr. Wendy. Hi, uh, I heard you on just kind of, I guess it was uh, meant to be, uh, we're, I don't know, it's it's really confusing. I've been together with this girl for 15 years. We have two kids, uh, uh-huh. eight and ten, mm-hmm. and I think we're afraid. Um, I'm, I'm afraid to not be in my kid's life. Yep, that's I'm a good a, fear. And I think she's afraid, too. We both, we both are not... Um, we don't compliment each other very well, but it's taken us 15 years to figure that out. And Okay, so and, first of all, Gary, let me go through my toxic relationship checklist. Yeah. Is there substance abuse by either of you? No, 
Is there no. domestic violence by either of you? No, no. Uh, severe emotional abuse? Um, well, I did have an affair. Okay, well, no, that's cheating. That's different. That can be overcome, and sometimes couples grow closer. How long ago was that? Four years ago. Four years, okay. And um, you both love your kids. Oh, And you God. want the best for your kids. Oh, my gosh, yes. So I'm going to tell you this. You are in what I call the doldrums of marriage, and it usually comes somewhere 12 to 16 years into it. And the kids are middle school, are heading to middle school, and you guys are bored. This is common, these feelings. And this is the time to reactivate your relationship. Four years ago, you tried to get some excitement with an affair. But I'm a big believer that people, and the research supports me, should stay together for the sake of the kids as long as the relationship itself isn't a toxic nest for kids. Because okay. the idea of maintaining two households is a threat to putting kids in poverty. And it also is um, obviously hard on the kids and their attachment style. So will you do me a favor? And before you decide to throw in the towel, get that beautiful wife of yours and head into therapy and try to work out a way to hang in there for a few more years till those kids are older, okay? Okay. Because you love your kids. I know you do. Yeah, I do. All right. This is what I need you to do for me. This is not a should I stay or should I go. This is you better stay. Thanks, okay. Gary. Okay, thank All you. All right. Next, I've got Rhonda. Hi, Rhonda. It's Dr. Wendy. Hi, Wendy. How are you? I've been better. How are you? <laughs> What's going on? Uh, I'll try and make it uh, condensed. I was dating this guy for 20 years off and on, but we've been together almost 10 years this last time. And okay. we got married We got married last July. Wow. Uh, After dating I, on and off for 20 years, you got this guy to tie the knot? Yes. Yeah, so, well, I packed up my house, and I was just ready to, to move out of state, and he decided that he was going to marry me and keep me. So... Mm -hmm. Long story short, we got married. We just went, ran off and got married. The idea was in a year we were going to have a big party for the kids and everything, but nobody knew. So then when we told the kids, his did not react well at all. Okay, how old are his kids? Uh, same age as mine, 25 and 30. They're not kids now. They're adults. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, so these adults who really don't have a say in this, I'll just throw that there, uh, got upset. And then what? And at first, uh, the one of them was demanding that we get a divorce. And <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I've just been staying since this last July. Everything is super uncomfortable. All my stuff hasn't even been unpacked. I don't. I don't know what to do. Should I? Stay well, what is he saying get... about all this? Well, at first he was saying, "I have no choice. We have to get divorced because what's I don't want to say the name." Okay, so he's having separation problems from his children. Let me tell you, if you do your job well as a parent, you work yourself out of a job. And then the kids become the people, the grown-up adults, who you've taught to be good guests. And they come home at the holidays, and they bring you fabulous grandchildren. That's their job. Not to tell you how to live your life. So right. It's, well, his mistake was he, he made the oldest girl his friend and uh, shared negative things that had happened with us. Yeah. And I think that yeah. because she didn't have a chance to stop the marriage before it was done. So you need to talk to him about boundaries. And you need to say, are you married to me or married to her? Because I'm, I mean, it feels a little bit like Ivanka and Melania here. <laughs> so you need to literally say, I'm your wife. 
And if I and, and be strong, stand on your feet and say, if you're not going to make a full commitment to me, then I will move on because this is not healthy for you or anybody. And the kids, they need to have boundaries too. Rhonda, thank you so much for calling. Do we have time for one more, Josh? Okay, let's go to Liam. Hi, Liam. Hi, Liam. It's Hi. Dr. Wendy. You're calling from Utah? Yes. No, I'm sorry. My name is William. Oh, sorry. Liam, I'm sorry. This is what I get for trying to squint at the computer screen. Uh, oh, no, it's not your fault. Okay. And you're calling from Utah? Yes. Okay. Tell me your issue. Okay. I'll try to make it quick. It's really money. Uh, I have an ex that we have been talking back and forth for years. We dated for about three months. Ex-wife or right ex-girlfriend? Ex-girlfriend. Okay. Uh, we dated for about three months, about 2012, mm-hmm. uh, after she got a divorce, which I didn't know that she had just gotten a divorce or I wouldn't have dated her. Mm-hmm. But that all beside, uh, now, years later, uh, she lives in a different state than I do right now. Uh, the big problem right now is that in November, she got engaged to somebody. Well, okay, all fine. That is a but, big problem. <laughs> that is a big problem. But she continuously contacts me and talks to me and tells me she's not, he's not the guy Ugh. that she wants. Okay, I need to stop and you right I'm there. Like, you started off by saying this is about money. What did you mean by money? Oh, not, not about money. Oh. No, no, no. Not about money. I was trying to make it muddy. It was really muddy. Oh, muddy. I'm sorry. See, this is when you yeah. call from Utah. Uh, I didn't hear. Okay. So, Liam, here's what you need to know. You need to set up boundaries here. She cannot pull you back and forth. And this poor guy, he's probably aware that she's in touch with you. So you need to set up a very clear boundary. And, you know, you can't put boundaries on somebody else. You can only put boundaries on yourself. And you need to say very clearly, you know what? I love you. I'm ready to have a full-time committed relationship with you, if you are. And I cannot do that. My morals and values will not allow me to do that with somebody who's engaged to somebody else. Uh, so please don't contact me until you're fully single. And then, is that, you, go is ahead. Is that okay to say to somebody that's already engaged? That's, that's what a couple of my friends yeah. said. And I was like, I don't want to break up their relationship. Oh, oh so you're worried if you just stay in between uh, this? No, no, no. You need to be clear because, really, do you want this woman in your life who's, if she got engaged to you, she'd probably be calling him. Like, seriously, this is not a woman with good boundaries. So you need to have some boundaries yourself. And if it, if it makes her break up with him, I mean, it, that's not on you. That's on her and her life. All you need to do is protect yourself and have your own boundaries. And do you want this guy showing up and telling you that, you know, you're talking to his fiance and whatever stay out of it let them work it out got it okay thank thank you liam from uh utah i really appreciate it how much more time do we have i can take jessica hi jessica from san pedro it's dr wendy jessica it's dr wendy can you hear me oh is she gone did i lose jessica from san pedro okay um all right when we come back i want to talk about the royal wedding uh, we actually will have a, somebody, a guest on the show who, what, we're all wedding. Are you really asking that question? You know who's getting married. Uh, the Prince Harry to the lovely actress from Suits, who's from Los Angeles, who's biracial. And I found out today she's going to be wearing Princess Diana's tiara. 
that's a really big deal. But I'm going to have somebody as a guest on the show who's actually attending the wedding. So we'll get a few more juicy details. And yes, I will be setting my alarm for 4 a.m. What is the date? On May, Saturday, May 19th. So it's not this Saturday. It's next Saturday. And I'm going to watch it live. You're listening to The Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. Larry Perel has the news. Oh, help me, please, doctor. I'm damaged. KFI AM 640, you have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. Nothing like a good summer wedding, spring wedding, actually. On uh, In two Saturdays from now, the royal wedding of Prince Harry and Los Angeles' own Meghan Markle. And I've been talking about this wedding for a while because um, we have this L.A. connection. We have a woman. She won't be a princess. She will be a duchess. But she's American. She's from L.A. She's the actress from the show Suits. And she's about to marry the Queen's grandson, Prince Harry. Oh, and she's biracial. This is cool. It's particularly cool for me because my daughters are biracial. So I'm like, well, maybe there's a chance they could marry a princess. Uh, the wedding is on the 19th. It uh, is scheduled for noon London time, which is 4 a.m. our time. And I have already set my iPhone to wake me up. It will be carried live on, I think it's PBS, right? Um, and Joey, do we have a guest on the phone? Oh, uh, we're calling him back because we had him and then we left. We lost him. So let me tell you a couple things I found out about the wedding. First of all, uh, Meghan Markle is going to wear Princess Diana's tiara in a tribute to the princess. That's big. Um, Now, you know, when there's weddings, the queen often dishes out swanky jewels just on loan from her collection for the wedding. Um, But there is talk that, I hope it's true, that she gets to wear her now-passed-away mother-in-law's tiara. Speaking of mothers, so as British weddings go, you want to talk about traditional gender roles? is that moms are not involved in them at all. I mean, they literally are just sitting there in the audience. The father always walks the bride up the aisle. Well, there's an issue, because we got a modern American girl from L.A. in this wedding, right? Uh, so she has had to work hard to create a role for her mother. Her mother's name is Doria Ragland. Um, now, Miss Markle's parents split when she was very, very young, and she was raised by her mom, who is a yoga instructor and social worker. Now, that's an L.A. career, if there ever was one. And the two of them are very, very, very close. And um, so there was some speculation that she wouldn't be involved in the wedding at all, except Duchess Markle worked very hard to have her ride in the royal coach as she approaches the wedding. And now we have on the phone with us somebody who will be attending the wedding as a reporter, KNBC's Robert Kovacic. Hi, Robert. Hello, my friend Wendy. How are you? We, we should tell everybody that we worked together a million years ago. Can I tell you, when I first came into L.A., into this market in the late 80s, you set the bar so high <laughs> at KCOP. This brilliant, stunning, smart, feisty anchor, reporter. You I just, just remember stomping through mud in floods and in a bulletproof vest in the riots and up in helicopters over fires. Those were like... 
they were hard working in the trenches years. <laughs> you set the bar very high, my dear. Can't, can't tell you. And you're still there doing it, but you have a cush assignment as far as I'm concerned yeah, right now. Yeah, you said I'm reporting. I'm not, I'm not an invited guest, no, so I know. I'm going to try. <laughs> you're going to try. So what can you tell us about the wedding that you're most excited to report on? I, to be honest with you, I, what's really exciting is the fact that so much of L.A. is going to be part of this wedding. We have met so many people that are planning on going. I mean, you have to remember that the history that's being made on May 19th is history on so many different levels. We have an American married into the royal family. We have a biracial woman married into the royal family. And we have a woman from Los Angeles that's married into the royal family. You know, Meghan Markle, who went to the Little Red Schoolhouse in Hollywood, who went to Immaculate Heart, has so many L.A. connections. And there are people that are going simply to be there and to, that are going to be there in Immaculate Heart sweatshirts, for instance, and a mother and daughter that are going from Norwalk just because they want her to know her L.A. people are there supporting her. And that's what I think is going to be fascinating is to walk through that crowd of 100,000 people and to be there and to feel like we may be in Windsor, but we are going to be in Southern California because Southern California is going to be represented. That is so cool. So are you going to be sending back reports uh, for KNBC then? Yes. And are they going to be uh, recording it or playing it? No, PBS has it live, right? PBS will be playing the whole thing. NBC's live coverage starts at 1.30 in the morning on the West Coast. Oh, so I have to get up earlier than 4 a.m. You need to get out your fascinator. You need to have parties and you need to, you know, get the pims ready and the tea and the sandwiches. Because from 1.30 till about 9 a.m., that's when you're going to, it's going to be a long night, but it's going to be an unforgettable day. Again, especially I, 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 the excitement that is building in England, it's so fun to, to see the excitement that's building here. So in recent news this week, I mentioned that uh, Meghan Markle may get to wear, I hope get to wear, Princess Diana's tiara. Have you heard about that? There is that rumbling. Okay. There that, there's so many different rumblings. And then on the bad news side, Prince Philip, the queen her, would be her grandfather-in-law, um, may not be able to make the wedding because he's recovering from hip surgery. I mean, Wendy, I wouldn't count on it. You know, I mean, a lot of friends of mine, and when I leave on Saturday, I'll, I'll find out more information, have said, you know, they're very concerned about his health. He is ailing. Year, months ago, you know, he took himself off all of his royal duties. And mm. so this is an elderly man, and, you know, we don't want lightning to strike and have, you know, something to spoil the celebration. But Prince Philip is not doing well, and from what NBC has been told, he will definitely not be in attendance. Oh, that's, that's well, he can watch it on TV. All right, so exactly. a weather report. Now, we're still a week and something out, right? So don't they say that every day that a weather forecast is later, you lose the accuracy by about 20%. So anyway. I will ask Fritz Coleman, but that sounds good to yeah. me. You so, sounded very convincing. So by five days, if somebody gives you a weather forecast for six days later, you could just throw it out the window. However, of course, the British tabloids are telling me to tell you that you need to bring an umbrella and some Wellingtons because it's supposed to be a shock weather prediction that's going to wash out the whole wedding with heavy rain. A torrentious downpour. I Have you heard not, that? No, but, you know, I'm, I, <laughs> I just dropped the phone to the floor. I, but let me ask you something. Am I, am I crazy? Isn't there some old wives' tale about raining on your wedding is good luck? Is that possible? I, I think it must be a good luck. It's like 
cleansing, right? It's it's God crying with you in happiness, right? But let me say <laughs> let me say something about people, Wendy, that are thinking of going and saying that you know they are going and they you know I still don't know that they're going, but they're heading to to the UK. Just keep in mind that if you want to be in the crowds, and Windsor's a very small town, they are shutting the town down the day before. And you will not have access to the town unless you are on a special list, unless you are on a guest list. The security is incredibly tight. So the midnight before the wedding, mm-hmm. which, is, you know, uh, which starts at 9 o'clock in the morning, there's no access to Windsor. So don't plan on going in the middle of the night and standing in line and hoping to see the royal carriage go by. That's not going to happen. Security okay, I will so change tight. my flight to Paris. Fine. <laughs> Security so tight, Wendy, that you'll appreciate this, that all of the media cameras are not allowed on the ground. We are all on rooftops. Oh, you and the snipers. Joking, joking. I can't believe they're letting you on rooftops. Okay, Robert, we have to go because radio is squished for time. You know how that goes. You know Will I you... love and adore you so much. Thank and you. Congratulations to your daughter at Harvard. I'm, Thank I'm so you. proud of her. Will you be able to give us a call from London, maybe? Absolutely. We're going to try to make that happen. Absolutely. Robert Kovacic from KNBC News. We're reunited again. Again. Kovacic. I like this. Kovacic, sorry. Uh, KFI AM 640. You've been listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. I'll be back on Wednesday at the 1 o'clock hour with Gary and Shannon. And as always, every Sunday from 4 to 6. Thanks for listening. Mo Kelly is next.